Hello and welcome to the Wired Biohealth Podcast. My name is Jacqueline Hall and I am joined by your show's host, Dr. Evelyn Higgins. Hey, Jackie. Doc, it is Valentine's Day. Whoa. What are you doing this year that's special? Getting lucky. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Cut. No, that's funny. Um, seriously, I think that the love holiday, it gives the opportunity to put the spotlight on relationships in good and bad ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most important relationship that we're ever going to have is with ourself. Right. And I think sometimes we can ignore that on Valentine's Day. But that also attracts people or does just the opposite. If someone has self-confident mm-hmm. self-love which is different from the promoting yourself all the time that's out there you know oh, look at me you know i got all these right. new body parts but um if it's really exude from the inside with self-assuredness self-confidence that in itself speaks volumes mm-hmm. and and who you're going to attract and who you're not i mean a lot of those people stay single for a really long time for a reason right because it's not take a number flip let's go next True. Yeah. And I think the confident self-love that kind of brings to mind an important topic um, that it's it's a word that has become more commonplace probably in the last five to 10 years, I would say, and it's narcissism. Oh, yeah. Gosh, everybody, everybody and their brother is an Instagram expert on narcissism. And if I break up with you, it's because you were a narcissist. Was that, that was even so a thing with, no. in your day? No, 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 no. Either you, no. <laughs> I know for me, so I'm 33, Dr. Higgins is mid-60s. and Go easy. <laughs> even when I was, I won't even say growing up as a young adult, um, narcissism... 63, going to be 64, I'm still on that. <laughs> what do you mean mid-60s? Come on. For me, it wasn't Go, even a thing, go. you know? No, 30 years real. between us and maybe 2015, 2015, I would say that word started becoming a thing. And someone said, what is that? What does that mean? Right. And then applied it to everybody. Right. And so the foundations of narcissism goes back to the mythological character Mm -hmm. of narcissists. Right. And it was this person who fell in love with himself, where he caught his reflection in a pond and spent all of his time looking at his reflection to the point where he forgot to eat. He forgot to drink. Right. He forgot to sleep until he died because he was so consumed, consumed with, with himself. himself. Yep. And so that's really where narcissistic personality right. disorder became a part of the DSM-5. The DSM, yeah. And so when we think of the hallmarks of narcissism, narcissism, it falls into a cluster B personality disorder. So ones that are similar to that, we're looking at personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, and kind of the hallmarks are kind of this drama, erratic thinking, overly emotional. Right. It's just they bring it as far as it can go. Yeah. And I think this is where it becomes dangerous to throw around these labels. Absolutely. Because there's plenty of people who probably have a touch. Sure, there's a sliding scale. Right. Yeah, there definitely would be a sliding scale of it. And I think that it's important when we throw around these words is to not do it um, without the weight mm-hmm. that it deserves. And mm-hmm. so when we think about somebody who is a narcissist, everything is about them. Right. And truly living with someone who is a narcissist destroys Mm -hmm. 
their partner or the people around them, their children, their spouse, destroys them. Mm-hmm. Because it really is that intense of a mental health condition. Right. And it's always kind of seeking this outside validation. Right. You always need that. Right. And oftentimes with the narcissist, there's always a new flying monkeys. You know, there's always the new people that they're going to have because that's where they get, they feed off of those new people. Because the old people are like, oh God, I can't listen to this again. Yeah. Or, you know, they present themselves the same way, Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful constantly. So they're always looking for this validation from the outside instead of from the inside, what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And there's always a new, a new group to woo. Right. And give out prizes and, you know, kiss the baby and, and hold court and all of those things that narcissists do constantly. So they're always looking for somebody new because the old people are like, I can't do this anymore. The people in their lives, they wither. Right. And are destroyed. And I think this is where the new term again, gaslighting. Yeah. Comes into place because that's something that didn't exist even 15 years ago. Right. And so it was the advent of I'm the narcissist. I'm thinking of like, you know, starting these guys back here of like, light the gaslights, you know, that, that's what gaslighting meant back in the day, like yeah. light them up. And now it's taking the victim and making them look like they're the perpetrator. Right. And you turn into a little kid fight of, I know you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You know, it's like it goes back and forth and back and forth and the ridiculousness of, of all of it. Right. And then we think about one of the other hallmark traits of narcissism is that lack of empathy right. for others. And so I think that's one of the areas that we can really see the dangers of narcissism in relationships. Right. Destroying. Destroy people, the things around them. Again, similar with the other cluster B personalities of the ships going down and they're taking everybody right. with them. That verbal abuse that just doesn't end. Right. When we think about the causes of narcissism or some things that we see very frequently correlated with narcissistic personality disorder. What are kind of the two, uh, what's the genesis or the origin? So the most simple would be like, and this is the one that everybody wants, goes back to mom always like mom did it. Mom did a horrible job. Right. You know? And so it goes back to the child not getting the attention that they needed, usually blamed on mom may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. The other is, which no one talks about, because then it puts it on, the onus on the individual instead of get out of jail free card, blaming mom for everything because you're a failure in your life instead of looking at, man, I didn't do what I was supposed to do, so here I am, right? right? The other way is that as a child, this person got away with way too much and learned early in their life that they could control people and that they had power. Mm. And we see this in a lot of career paths. We see it in politicians. We see it in C-suite people. And because they think everybody is supposed to jump for them because they learned about power early in their life and got away with it. Yeah. I feel like that is an excellent kind of summary of that personality type because it's always been figuring out whatever they had to do to get what they wanted right. and not worrying about the collateral damage that they caused. Which is the lack of empathy. Lack so of it's, empathy. it's learned along the way of I want to get what I want so I don't care about you. And if you look at society, how we're living now, really, if we wanted to, you know, 
do exactly what I'm saying everybody does is like as a society, this is what we are because everything is outward. Mm -hmm. Everything is, you know, let me go get my new body parts. Let me get my new shiny objects that make me better than you. What we revere is not the foundations of, of what make a society productive and successful. Yeah. We've talked about that on previous episodes, even just going with the doctor example of how they, when you first entered the field, it was something that was your doctor. It was bowed down to you. And then slowly the shift became more um, towards the financial sector. Right. And that, and that's where we are now. Right. You know, we revere people that make a lot of money and the more you make the, the somehow better person you are. Yeah. And the people that actually do the work from doctors to first responders to teachers to everybody that makes society work from a foundation, nothing. That's what's so confusing to me. So I've got twin three-year-old daughters and we think about who comes in for a career day. You know, they'll go to yeah, the local yeah. fire department. Frequently, you guys will see my large tumbler of Palm Beach Fire Rescue. <laughs> And I mean, I am so thankful for those men and women because my girls go to school on the island and that's not where I work every day. And so I want to know that somebody's there to protect my kids when I can't be. And so we think about these pieces of life that make it function and how we teach our children. This is how you interact with the world. These are things you should try to be. And then somewhere, and I don't know where it happens, but we stop talking about those things. It's like very quick. Mm -hmm. It goes from dress up as police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses, teachers, librarians. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's do coding and (laughs) we're talking money. Right, right, right. (laughs) I don't know at what age that happens, but there is a very abrupt shift. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that's just where we live in South Florida. I would argue that's pretty inexclusive to anywhere. And because society is more, um, enamored with material wealth and money now Mm -hmm. i think that shift happens as soon as a kid who's who's way more um savvy in those like than my generation was gosh you know light years ahead that as soon as they realize like i want to be like Mm -hmm. kanye Mm -hmm. jay-z and i need a lot of money and i need to have a lot of girls running behind me and like all this stuff that i'm like right. oh my gosh because they're adults before they have the emotional capacity mm-hmm. to know what any of that means right and then it goes back to the narcissism looking towards these social media and figures right. to being kind of the icon they go after and it becomes how do i get that this That's is all the i'm pillar. focused on this is who's standing on the pillar And I think I hear the word narcissism most frequently in the clients who call the wired for addiction Mm -hmm. part of the company for their spouse. Right. And it's almost this, this is the problem. It's been self-diagnosed or diagnosed by the spouse. How do I fix that? Mm -hmm. And narcissistic personality disorder isn't like diabetes, right? It's not like cardiovascular disease. It's not a single molecule disease that has a single right. molecule solution. Right. And so that's why it's not just what we do at Wired for Addiction and Wired Biohealth that's so important when working with somebody who has NPD, right. narcissistic personality disorder, because they are going to need those other components right. of counseling. Right. And you'd have to look at, aside from just the counseling, their unique physiology. So is this person wearing a mask? of narcissism because deep down they're actually a depressed person. 
which you brought up, the people that call the wired for addiction, they will fight to the end of I'm not a depressed person. Let's look at your labs. You wouldn't be doing that behavior if you weren't looking to change that resting state, yeah. right? So it, it, there's the physiology component of everything too. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you think you have to put on this mask because you're not enough? Why are you not enough? Is there something happening with your neurotransmitters, with those brain chemicals that clinically make you think this way and act this way? I argue yes. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense too. And when I think about kind of the traditional wired for addiction client who spouse has diagnosed them with narcissism, it's never just one addiction. Right. They're coming with a cluster of things that they're going to pick from that day. And it goes back to they're just needing to self-medicate. And it doesn't have to be the same flavor every day. Right. They might change it up with alcohol, cocaine, gambling, women, pornography, maybe they get that high from making somebody else feel low, whatever it is that day, that's going to get them to where they need to be. And they don't even know that they're self-medicating. They're just existing. Right. Well, there's that kind of expert in everything kind of mentality Mm -hmm. and it just shifts from day to day. Yeah. And that's just so gross. And and the the gaslighting that goes on, just speaking yesterday with a wife that called and she said, my husband said, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Trust me enough. So puts it back on her when the oldest child's already left the home and the four at home are suffering. His answer is just trust me, I know what I'm doing. Right. And we wouldn't be in this spot if you did and it's the delusion it's the delusion and i feel like it's empowering maybe you're listening to this episode as the loved one of someone who your life is being negatively impacted by their narcissism right this is not a get out of jail free card for that behavior but it can shine some light on the resources and tools that are out there absolutely it's not incumbent upon you as the spouse to fix anybody else you're not in charge of anybody else in this world but you can be the one to say hey i think you should look into this right and sometimes let that be enough you weren't put on this earth to solve everybody's problem and you should never be made to feel that way either this is even a tool for you if you're saying you know what i can't fix you but i can do something about me absolutely do you and and make you the best you then you can show up for your children Yep. You show up for yourself, obviously, but you can show up for your children and everybody else who needs it. And whatever your spouse is going to do, they're going to do. And you can't control that, which is part of the whole family part of the disease, right. that you want to control the outcome and you can't. Right. I mean, you want to talk about stress response. And unfortunately, typically it's the wives, right? Right. What has happened to their adrenals mm-hmm. as a result of dealing with years, decades, it doesn't even take that long for a narcissist to do a lifetime of damage, but how their physiology has responded to the environmental stressors of being around this person. Right. They're in total depletion mode. Absolutely. And so any genetic predispositions that they had towards, let's just pick out inflammation, for example, those snips are turned on. So, Doc, if you want to just do a little bit for our listeners for the first time about genetic SNPs and how that works with those neuroscience biomarkers we measure. Sure. So a SNP is a single nucleotide polymorphism. What a polymorphism means simply is that there's an error in the genetic coding that creates aberrant behavior. Okay. Right. So if we're talking about 
<clears throat> things that we see would be like risk-taking, impulse control, anxiety, depression, addiction. Those would all be aberrant behaviors that are a result of a genetic SNP. Mm. So we identify those. Right. Right? And that's got to be the first step of making those changes. It's not just the admiring, well, you know, this person behaves this way. I've seen this over and over again. Great. But what are we going to do now? That's always my biggest thing is it's great to know a lot of stuff, right? But what do you do with that information? Right. To me, it would be useless if we just provided the results of the testing and said, good luck, have a good day, wish you all the best, right? There needs to be an action plan behind that. So what we now know through epigenetics is that once we've identified that coding error, we can support that pathway to turn off those behaviors. That is the value of what we do. Right. And that's epigenetics. Most fascinating part of science today, I would argue, that because it returns the power back to the individual, you do not have to stay in that. Gone are the days of my mom or my dad died at this age. I'm going to have this you know, just play out my life, live crazy because I'm dying here. No, no. You know, technology has evolved. We need to use it to benefit where we're at. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it, Doc. Empowerment, empowerment, empowerment. You narcissist, you. (laughs) So if you feel like this is something that you'd benefit from in terms of testing or your spouse, this is maybe a softball into the conversation of, yeah. hey, you know, Watch this episode. listen to this. It's yep. not you delivering it. It's blame it on us. Yep. Yep. Call the office, listen to the podcast, listen to other episodes, even schedule a free consult with one of our wellness consultants, whether it's Wired for Addiction, Wired Biohealth, or even with one of the therapists at WBH Counseling and Therapy, because they have access to the Wired Biohealth Labs, and they know the value in understanding that biological piece of mental health. We've talked about it on previous episodes that mental health is really a manifestation of physical health. And so through these biomarkers, we're seeing that very clearly. This is a physical part of your body that's affecting what's up here. Right. So mental health is not just in your head. So if you're wanting to get more answers and get on really a support plan that is based on your objective physiology, call the office, talk to one of our consultants. We're here for you. As always, Doc, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Technology has advanced so much. We don't have to sit in that pain anymore. You know, started out with love and Valentine's Day and the narcissism part, but it doesn't have to be painful, you know, and that's why we're here. So thank you, Jackie. Thanks, Doc. Yeah. See ya. I'm not in my mid-60s.